0: Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Now, sort of wind back to where we are this morning. Today is Palm Sunday in the kind of church calendar and we're going to read some things through Matthew 21 and look at some things in there in a few moments. And uh, some of what I believe God, it, it encapsulates some of what God's been doing in us. But the the voice in the noise, what has that all been about over the last couple of months? Uh, I know we've spoken into some different things, uh, but actually what is voice in the noise about? It's about intimacy. And from that place of intimacy is obedience. Whether uh, we've been talking about hearing God's voice in the noise of all the other voices and everything else that's been going on that we've spoken into around this time. Some of the interviews that we had a few weeks ago with with both Simon and and, and Jonathan about different things that they have been walking through with God over the last year or two, some things that develop faith and trust and intimacy with God. And I know many of you said those two Sundays spoke to you uh, just because they're so practical and real, especially with leaders going through stuff. Sometimes we think that leaders don't have any problems. You think, well, you guys have got it all sorted and everything. You know, We all face stuff. We all have to get our faith out. We all have to get the word out and apply it in our lives no matter who we are. How long we've been uh, born again? How long? How long we've been Christians? So, those interviews and, and Pastor Colin brought an absolutely brilliant word a few weeks ago, <clears throat> and and some of the things he spoke about about forgiveness and praying and blessing and wanting the best for those who might come against us or reject us or give us a hard time and all of that kind of stuff. The practicals of living that out, hearing God's voice in the opposition, hearing God's voice in rejection, hearing God's voice and like right, to come through the other side. Pastor Judith brought a brilliant word last week about how to overcome battle fatigue uh, in that way. And, and, and God's been speaking into our lives He's been building us up over the last few weeks. You would say the last couple of months, God's very much been speaking to you and I, to us, to build us up, to encourage us, to to deal with, uh, like, stuff we might be struggling with or or, or coming against us in that way. And and why? Because God is the Good Shepherd and He speaks into our hearts and lives to lead us, to work in us and to move us. And I, I believe as we kind of come to the other side of Easter, the way God's been building us up and encouraging us in different ways, He's going to begin to turn that to become more outward as to what does that look like? Us being built up and strengthened and encouraged to then seeing a release through our lives into other people's lives and so that focus on intimacy, intimacy with Him and God's been stripping away some stuff over the last period of time, removing as we said as we were praying a few minutes ago, maybe some of the things we're used to, the way things are normally done in our lives or as a church and it's been a bit different and it can be a bit disorientating but yet God's been working and moving in our in our hearts and lives and in very very practical ways. There's a there's a book that um, came out recently by a guy called Jeremy Riddle. Now, some of you guys will know who he is. He's a well-known worship leader. Uh, probably came to fame, if you like, to use that phrase or became known through because he was part of Bethel Church uh, in Redding in California. Now he's based in Los Angeles. And you know when somebody has a true, a truly encounters God, something happens in them. And he's he's re- recently released a book called, um, The Reset, and it's called Return to the Heart of Worship and a Life of Undivided Devotion. Now he's primarily in this book speaking to worship leaders and the world of worship, if you like, or what he calls the worship movement that's been growing and developing over the last quite a number of of years. And, And it's a challenging book, and what he writes in there is basically a challenge to everybody involved in worship and the worship movement to have a total reset. And what he's bringing out is there's got to be a reset back to intimacy. Intimacy with God. Not about performance. It's not about an industry. It's not about a platform. It's not about being famous. It's not about having a great worship set and everything else. I mean, the way he's written it, uh, he's obviously had an encounter with God and God's done a total number on him. But what he encapsulates in this book is God's incredible, heart of passion and longing and desire for us to just simply be intimate with Him and have an intimacy with Him. If I'd encourage you to get the book because it's not just for worship leaders, it's for anybody uh, in terms of just having an intimacy with God, having a heart and a longing to know Him and everything that then flows from that. But I want to use a phrase, that recalibration, whether it relates to that book or what God's been doing in us. The word recalibrate means to correct or to adjust the settings on a piece of equipment. It means to re-examine one's thinking, plans, system of values and correct in accordance with new understanding and purpose. Many of us in our lives up to the last 12 months, we're all calibrated into God. We're all in relationship with God and we live our lives and and we do what we do according to the revelation that we have and the understanding that we have. And one of the things that God's been doing over this last 12 months, some of it in the busyness of everything, some of it in the space that some have had, It's like God's just been doing a work to recalibrate, to readjust, to redefine who we are as the church, to reset some things. I believe God wants His church to be simplified. Worship becoming a lot simpler. It might just be an acoustic with somebody singing. It might be a keyboard with somebody singing, that's it. That's what it might look like going forward. Not a big band with loads of stuff and everything else. There might be times for that, I don't know. As we move in the next few months, and I'll cover this in, towards the end of the message, just some of the sort of headline things about moving from being fully online to being in person on Sunday mornings. But when we gather, it's about It's not about what somebody can do on a platform. It's about what you and I bring to the body when we come together. That we bring a heart of love for the people, to fellowship, to connect. That we bring a heart of worship, whether there's an instrument that plays or not. That we literally, as a body, whether there's 20 in the room or hundreds in a room, We're not waiting for somebody else to ignite us or lead us or do something, but we come because we want to worship Jesus passionately. We want to engage with Him, worship Him extravagantly and give Him everything. Uh, Imagine a whole room of people or everybody in that room doing that in that way where they're just exalting Him and lifting their hands and their arms and, and just crying out to Him because we want to know Him. Wow, we're all longing for that day which is not far away, to be together in a room, worshipping Jesus together. And the sound of that is going to be determined by what God's doing in us now and how we're responding to Him. And I want to just look at Matthew chapter 21 this morning and what's called the triumphant, or triumphal entry. Let's have a, a, a quick look at this, shall we? This is Jesus coming into Jerusalem and let's read it from the beginning of the chapter. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of His disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them and He will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them, and and Jesus sat on them. Interesting. When you were going to war, in those days, you would go on a horse. When you were going into battle, you would go on a horse. So when a king would ride into somewhere, into a battle or into a situation like this, for example, he would ride on a horse because a horse then represented victory, it, resented war, uh, presented, uh, it represented war and battle and all of that kind of thing. But Jesus didn't choose a horse, even though he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He said, hey, there's a donkey and it's colt, you know, go, go and fetch them. Because a donkey in that culture, it represented carrying a load. It represented serving. It represented serving and carrying something for someone else. And we see here that when Jesus Came into Jerusalem, what happened? He says in verse 8: a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! The word Hosanna. It means to save, means save now. It means save us, we pray. So when Jesus was coming in on this donkey, He wasn't coming in on a horse, kind of all pomp and ceremony and yeah, I'm the king and la la la, He came in on a donkey knowing that what was gonna take place not many days from then was that He was gonna carry the sin and the sickness and the depravity of everything that sin and death and hell represented. He was going to carry all of that stuff to the cross to serve you and I, to lay His life down for you and I and He came into Jerusalem on donkey. The people were worshipping and they were crying out, save us now, save us we pray. That's what it literally means, rescue us, Saviour. What an amazing thing to happen. People had that revelation that He was the Saviour, He was the Messiah and they understood, save us. Some might have been thinking because they did in that culture, the Messiah was going to save them from um, the Roman Empire and all that and bring His kingdom. But the fact that He came on a donkey, not a horse, was was communicating something else. And they were crying out, Save us, save us, save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Because Jesus came to serve. He came with humility. He didn't come and do things in certain ways that got people's attention to say, look at this, isn't he got a, you know, a flashy horse or look at this lifestyle or look at this, look at that, look at the other. No, he came to serve, to lay his life down. Verse 10, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? Verse 11, the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. He came in with humility and in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, or verse 5, what's God been doing in us? See, in, in order for there to be intimacy with God in our lives, we humble ourselves. For there to be intimacy with, with God, we present ourselves before Him. We come to him not firstly from a need basis. I need this, I need that, would you do this and that and the other for me? We don't approach God first of all with with, God, I want your hand. Intimacy is, when you have intimacy with your husband or your wife, you there's face-to-face that goes on. When there's intimacy with you look right into their eyes, there's an engagement, there's an intimacy there and that's what intimacy looks like with Jesus, it's it's face to face, it's it's not need focused, it's I want to know you. And so in order to be intimate, there's a, a humility, there's a yielding, there's a surrendering ourselves to Him. And in Philippians 2 verse 5 it says, our attitude should be the same that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus didn't want to operate, He didn't want to do anything outside of the intimate relationship that he had with the Father. He, he wanted to be fully yielding, submitted to the Father. He, he said, "I don't want to. I don't want to do anything, say anything that's not of You. I want to. I want to know You. I want to represent You. I want to be Your voice, Your hands. I want to be Father. What? Who You would be now in this situation? That's who You've called me to be here right now in this situation. That's how Jesus lived to the point where He was prepared to lay His life down. And what happened after Jesus came into Jerusalem? It then goes on, it says in verse 12 of Matthew 21, He then entered the temple area and He drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, He said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. So as he comes in on a donkey in humility, carry, knowing and representing, he's going to take a load of stuff to the cross on our behalf. He goes into the temple area, the place that represented where the presence of God was the place where people would go to worship then. I mean, they didn't have God in their lives. They had to go to a place. The great thing for us, we don't have to go to a place to worship because God has made us a living temple, living stones. He's made our lives a place of worship. He's made our lives a place of His presence. So Jesus goes to the place where the people went to to offer themselves and offer sacrifices and, and to worship God. And he went there and when he went there, he found there were things going on there that were hindering people. And some people were obviously making profit out of others and, and everything else that went on in that moment. But what did he do? He walked into that place that represented the place of worship and, and the presence of his Father, of God. And, and he overturned everything that was a hindrance, everything that would could get in the way of, of that place being clean and being a place where people would just come literally and offer themselves to God and worship God. He cleared out religion. He cleared out falsehood. He cleared out stuff that shouldn't be there. And, and on one level, it's not that God's saying our lives have, have been like that. They've been all over the shop and a mess in that sense. But on one level, Level, what God has been doing in these last, this last 12 months. He's, he's come into the temple area of our lives and, and He's been working in us and through us and shifting our hearts and, and, and it's like God's saying, I want to clear out anything that has been getting in the way of intimacy, anything that crowds in instead, everything where, that has maybe just become the way you've lived as a Christian, but you've lost that intimacy and all. And it's like God's been restoring and reviving and working and moving in our hearts to, to reset us, to recalibrate us, to reignite us with a a heart and a passion and a longing to know Him in a fresh way. So that that, that in our daily lives, whether we meet physically in a building on a Sunday or not, that what's happening in our lives, there's an intimacy and therefore an obedience that flows from that. He said, this house is called a house of prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is intimacy with God. Prayer is submitting to God. I don't want to just pray my stuff. Father, what's your heart? What do you want to do? And it's a place of yielding and surrender. And, and Jesus said, but you've made it a den of robbers. And, and I think God's been doing a number in the church nationally and globally where wherever we've had ears to hear what he's been saying I think God's been doing a reset in the church that's what that book is all about it's, it's really challenging there's nothing there's no there's no sense of condemnation whatsoever in the way the guy's written that book I encourage you to have a read it is so good it's you read it and, and it and and it you know it helps to ignite a, a fresh passion and hunger to want to know God but then Look what happens in verse 14. Look at this. I love this. To so Jesus goes in to the temple. And he does some clearing out, does some sorting, but then look what happens. Verse 14 it says the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Don't you love that? see, God is working amongst us. He's working in us. He's been sifting, purifying, cleansing. He's always going to do that. Why? Because He's the Good Shepherd. Why? Because He always wants us to be living with a pure heart and, and pure motives and everything like that. But what happens as a result? Look at this. The blind and the lame came and He healed them. Oh, I love that. And as He's been working in us, why? Because. He wants the blind healed, the lame healed. He wants people's lives. There are so many people around our lives that don't know Jesus yet. They might be crippled emotionally. They might be crippled mentally. They might be physically lame, hit sick in some way, spiritually not doing good. And in that place of intimacy and obedience, responding to Him, there's miracles waiting to happen. Miracles about to take place. Those that weren't religious, if you like, in that verse 14, they came flooding, healing and all that kind of thing. But then look what it says in verse 15. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things He did and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. And they said, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, replied Jesus, have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. You know, when God moves, when God works, it freaks the religious out or anything in us that is religious. We react and we get upset and, oh, this change or I don't like this or whatever it might be. And the religious people got upset with Jesus because He came in and and He changed the status quo. He was challenging the moment and, and the way they were. Thank you, Jesus, that you are making us that pure bride you've called us to be. So God's been working and moving in us. Some great words in a song. Uh, I'm not sure what the song's. I think it's called New Wine, actually, the song. And this is what it says, some of the, the lyrics. It says, in the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. So it's felt a bit like that hasn't it, the last 12 months, some crushing and some pressing that's been going on in different ways. In, and it will look different in, in all of our lives. But in all of that, you are making new wine. God is doing something new. Then it says, in the soil, I now surrender. You are breaking new ground. Don't you love that? A seed has to fall into the ground and die in order for new life to come. And it's like we've been putting our lives into the soil of who God is in a fresh way, saying, God, I want to be deep into who you are. I want to be that intimacy deep into who you are so that everything that's of me dies, everything of self dies in that sense. And so that I'm coming alive to you in in a fresh way because you're breaking new ground. You're doing something new in me and in us, amongst us and everything. And then it says, so I yield to you into your careful hand. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. Sometimes we want to know everything and God's like, no, trust me, trust me. Because that's part of what intimacy is about. It's about trust me, trust me. I've got it, I've got it. And then the, what's the, the song say? Make me a vessel, make me an offering. Well. Make me a vessel. We offer ourselves as a vessel to God. And we offer ourselves and say, you know, and then and then that prayer: make me whatever you want me to be. Father, I'm available. Holy Spirit, make me whatever you want to do what you want to do in me. I came here with nothing, but all you have given me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. And then it says, because where there is new wine, there is new wine power. What happened when Jesus cleared out the temple, the blind and the lame came and it's all were healed. Jesus healed them all. It was amazing. So So where there's new wine, there's new power. Where there's new wine, there's new freedom. Why? Because there's breakthroughs, there's deliverance. And the kingdom is here. The kingdom is here now. But you know, when there's an intimacy, when you're pressing into God, when you're walking with Him closer, there's more of a tangible release of the kingdom and His life around you. You sense it, you're moving it more because there's a greater intimacy. And then I love these last couple of lines. I lay down my old flames to carry your new fire today. Don't you love that? Don't you love that? I lay down my old flames. I lay down whatever's gone before to carry the new fire today. Whatever you're doing now, I I lay down the old, but I pick up the new. I want to run with you in this day, the fire of what you're doing. so over these, these next few months we're going to be transitioning as a church from where we are being fully online to being in person and just to give you a real simple overview because we're still working through the details of how this is all going to work but just to give you a little heads up and a bit of an overview there's as we've communicated at the beginning of the year with Roffey Place where the Bible School and the offices have been. Uh, we're getting that building ready to, to sell and getting beginning to clear that out and, and what that involves to get something ready for sale. So the, the offices, or the office base, if I can put it that way, is, is being moved to this building here in Foundry Lane. And so we're doing a, few, a little bit of sort of building work as in, I say building, we're not rebuilding stuff, but just creating a little bit of office space and, and, and whatnot here so that the offices can be based here. Uh, and also it's gonna enable us to, to open the building more during the day, uh, during the week as things open up because obviously we're gonna have people based here. Uh, a lot of the staff team working in different ways because we've been working from home and whatnot. It's, it's not gonna be like everybody's in the office in that sense, it's gonna be an office base. Uh, community people coming in and out more, but people being out and about in terms of the staff team and and whatnot, so there's a bit of work going on here. That's gonna finish at the end of April by the time that's all done and, and some other things that we need to sort out and get ready. And then as we come into May, May, June and July are gonna be like three months of transition. We know we've all been through a lot, and, and the world has been through a lot in the last 12 to 14 months. And it's not going to be that there's any given day, according to the government guidelines or according to a particular Sunday, where it's like the, the switch is going to be flicked and suddenly everybody just, oh, right, we're all back to whatever we you know now. It's, it's going to take a bit of time for people to adjust and to, to get used to, to different scenarios over the next few, few months. And so, what we're going to basically do on the May the 9th and 16th, those two Sundays in this building, uh, it will be open on those two Sundays and we can have about 70, 80 people in here. And it's going to be open to anybody in the church to be here on those couple of Sundays. So you don't have to be in the Horsham congregation uh, to, to be in this building. It's open for anybody on those two Sundays. You'll need to register. We'll give you all the information much nearer the time, but you still need to register and there'll still be two-metre distancing and masks and everything else because they're the guidelines that that, that are in place up until then. But then after May the 17th, we don't know exactly what the guidelines are yet because they haven't been clarified for places of worship, but we we do know there will be some change because after May 17th and between that date and June the 21st, Uh, you can have more people in a building in terms of percentages. So there's obviously going to be some kind of change. We don't know what that looks like yet. Uh, And obviously we'll communicate that once the guidelines come out for that. But what we're going to begin to do after May 17 is open up all the congregations on Sundays in terms of meeting in person, okay? And that will then obviously just move forward from there. And then after June the 21st, Uh, according to the government guidelines as they are today they might change we don't know nobody knows but if they stay as they are uh, after June 21st the following Sunday after that which I think is like the 26th or 27th of June from that Sunday onwards if it goes according to the guidelines there won't be any restrictions at all uh, in terms of uh, for anybody anywhere and so Uh, that will mean there's no restrictions on Sundays in terms of how we run it and and no guidelines to adhere to and all of that kind of thing. Now, totally appreciate that for some, uh, some people as soon as Sunday is possible to meet, people want to be together, I want to be in a room. Obviously, you still need to register Uh, even up till June 21st on a Sunday, if you come to any congregation before, you're still going to have to register. We still have social distances. There'll still be a mask and all of that stuff. Uh, And we'll have to allocate your seating because that's the way it'll have to to operate according to the the, the guidelines we were given to be a COVID secure venue in that sense. and, and so we have to adhere to those, those things. I know some of you, the, sun, the first Sunday possible, boom, you're going to be there. I know maybe for others it will be, well, I'm going to wait till after June 21st and I might give it a few weeks after that before I kind of want to rock up on a Sunday to my congregation because I want to make sure, absolutely appreciate that. And, and so we want to give May, June and July okay, to transition from where we are now, fully online, to being in person in our congregations. And we want to be very, very gracious with one another during those three months, okay? Because we haven't had to do this before. Uh, We we haven't had to do what we're currently doing before, but we haven't had to then transition what we're doing into where we need to go. And and so we want to be really gracious as we take those steps and, and how we navigate that. Um, even even to make a Sunday happen in any congregation. We're certainly not taking for granted that everybody that was volunteering to be involved still wants to be involved or might be available on any given Sunday. So there's a little bit of ground up work that we've got to do uh, to find out in each congregation who might be available to serve and to help make those Sundays happen. There's quite a lot involved in making a venue COVID secure, that we run it in the right way while there are still restrictions and guidelines and and, and what that's going to mean. And so we need people to be available to help make those Sundays happen in any congregation. And so there's quite a lot of work to do over the next sort of six weeks to seven weeks to get all of that kind of stuff uh, in in place. It's not like just flicking a switch and, and just sending out and say, you know, and off we go. Um, There's quite a lot of work involved in in doing that. But I know all of us want to be in a place where we're just with others, worshipping together, the fellowship and the glue, the thing that happens when you gather together. But Sunday going forward needs to serve and fit in with what God is doing. And God's been working in our hearts and our lives in deep ways, and He wants to continue to do that. And being in person is going to be absolutely brilliant when we can, uh, especially where there's no restrictions whatsoever. I know many of us are longing for that that day. But even when we are in person, it's going to look different. It's going to be different. The setups in in each congregation are not going to be the same. And how we go about the meetings is not going to be the same. We want to be a community of people not coming to church or not going to church. We're not going to see whether it's going to be good or not today. What we want to do, we want to be a family, where we're rocking up on a Sunday for a family gathering, where we're rocking up to say, what part can I play to be a blessing to everybody else in the room? What part can I play in worshipping Jesus that helps to release the presence of God in what's going on? What can I do to connect and bless somebody else to make them feel like they're part of who we are? What can I do? What can I bring? What can I bring as an offering in that sense? What can I, how can I serve? How can I give? How can I bless? Man, I, I, let's, let's, when, we, when we meet in person, let's come with that kind of heart. When we walk into a room and we're like, well, how can I be a blessing to everybody else who's, who's here? So let's just take a moment to pray, shall we? Let's thank Him for what He's been doing. Let's thank Him for what He's going to continue to do. Let's continue to lay our lives before Him. Let's continue to make space for intimacy, time with Him. And the teaching that Pastor Colin has given about the first minute, which is kind of twofold, isn't it? what happened the moment you were born again and everything that he accomplished for us and, and then learning how do I live, how to live in the good of all of that. That's part of the first minute. This is what he did when you first gave everything to him, to, to the Lord. But also the first minute when we come and pray is we're saying, Father, I want to just make sure I'm right with you. I want to just give to you all the concerns, all the things that could take my attention, that I could be thinking about, all the things that need doing. It's like that first minute when we come and spend time with him, we're saying, Father, here's, here's, here's everything so that I can, fully be, I can be fully engaged with you. That intimacy, that closeness, to hear your voice, to know what you're saying, to live in a place of rest and trust. Let's just take a moment to pray, shall we? Father, we thank You for all that You've been doing in us and amongst us. Father, we're all looking forward to the day when we rock up together in our respective congregations. The life, the joy that there's going to be, the celebration that there's going to be. The sound in the room that there's going to be. And Father, we thank you that you continue to work and move in our hearts and lives. So that this new wine can continue to be released. We want to continue just to let go of any old flames, anything that has, you've done and finished with that Father and we want to make sure we let go of all of that and we take hold of the new flame, what you're doing in a fresh way. And Father, I thank you going forward, it's not what can somebody else do for me in the life of the church, but what can I do for someone else? Whether it's on a Sunday, whether it's in a small group, whether it's just hanging out and having a coffee, popping around at somebody's house in the garden initially until we can meet in different ways. How can I be a blessing to those around me? And Father, I thank you for your grace upon us as a church over these next few months as we transition through May, June and July from being fully online to being in person. Thank you for your grace through that whole period Father, I just pray this morning for those maybe connecting in that don't know you. Don't have a relationship. There isn't an intimacy with you. Father, I just pray for them right now. If you're connected in this morning, if you're watching this morning and you, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and you're like, wow, I, I, I don't know who God is. I've never met him before. And, and you're like, the way that music was earlier and the way that guy's been talking, it's like God sounds like he's so real and can be so well, he is. He's alive, he's real and he wants to be real in your life. And that first step towards him, you can literally say to to him this morning, God, I don't know what to pray, I don't know how to... See, God responds to the heart, not just to the right words. And from your heart today, if you're saying, God, I I don't know what to say, but I want want to know you. I want to surrender my life to you. I want to give you my life, but I want you to give me your life. If that's your heart this morning, you can take that. begin to take that, that first step and say, God, I'm here. Surrender my life to You. I need You to cleanse me of ev- every sin. Forgive me of every sin that I've committed. Cleanse me, purify my heart, my life. And God, I surrender to You right now. And I ask You to put Your life into me. That exchange, divine exchange, we can call it. You give your life to Him, He gives His life to you. Father, I thank you that you move in people's hearts right now. If this morning that's your heart and your response, it's like, please get in touch with us, info at kingdomfaith.com, right? And info at kingdomfaith.com. We'd love to get in touch with you. You might be in a room with other people that know Jesus. When the meeting finishes in a minute, have a chat with them, say, hey, can you pray with me? Can you help me? I want to know Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. We're blessed, very, very blessed. Let's continue to engage with God. Let's continue to encourage one another. Let's continue to move forward in everything that he's doing and saying at this time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you.